Hey, 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 what is going on, everybody? It is your boys here at the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. I am Junkyard James. And with me, as always, I got the man, the myth, the legend, the creed-loving, Daytona 500 fan, K-Dog. How is it going, my friend? Boys, we're in. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an electric night here um, for, for, for Creed fans and NASCAR fans alike. Uh, Creed, the best band known to man, um, uh, is running along with seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson in the 84 Carvana Petty Blue Chevrolet, excuse me, not even Chevrolet, Toyota. forgot they switched to Toyota. Uh, he had to race his way in, and the duel, the first duel just finished up about 30 minutes ago, and Jimmy Johnson raced his way in, which means Creed is going to the Daytona 500. Uh, it, it's a great night. It's a great night. Uh, we're here to celebrate. Uh, it's going to be an historical event on Sunday. I uh, can't wait for Creed to be in victory lane, and I hope that uh, Jimmy Johnson wins the race so Creed will play in victory lane. Um, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Listen, we only get this once every maybe 15 years when Scott Stapp doesn't mess something up. So um, <laughs> we're here to rejoice. Um, July 24th um, can't come soon enough. Uh, but before then, we have an historic event that's going to be taking place on Sunday, March 3rd, that is rapidly approaching. The hype is building, and the card is getting loaded by the minute. By the minute. I can't wait we're to gonna, there. We're, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about that here in a minute. Let's do a quick quick little bit of housekeeping. By the way, DJ Wavy D is back, in the, back on the live stream. He says... Hey, fellas, sorry I've missed the last couple of weeks live. Work has been crazy, but I did catch the rerun. We appreciate you, my friend. Now, everybody else who may or may not listen to this podcast, we love you too. And we would love if you would go to this website down here on the bottom of, bottom left of your screen. If you're listening to the audio, it's junkyardmediagroup.com. That's your one stop shop for everything junkyard media group everything beyond the junkyard everything slapping meat wrestling podcast related junkyardmediagroup.com we got the x page the facebook page the discord group join the discord group so every now and again we do q a's and ask me anything and things like that that is discord exclusive that we share with the uh with the, the people here on the podcast. Jamie, we didn't even get to you. How, how, how are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, it's just, it's another day. It's another day in the life of Junkyard James. Another day, another dollar, another long work day sitting and spinning in my chair. It's about waiting for people to show up and things to do. It's about all I can say. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Well, hey, in about a year, we'll have a new sponsor on the podcast. That's to be determined down the road. We're not going to get into that tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, if you saw the title of this show, uh, the majority of the show is going to be spent uh, kind of memorializing and remembering Jerry Jarrett and the Jarrett family as a whole. Um if you don't know, our, our timing is just impeccable on this episode because we were going to run it last week. But then Vince McMahon decided to blow up the Internet with all of his allegations and a bunch of news. And Scott the Moore got fired and 
good grief, there was a heavy news week. And we said, you know what? Let's just back this up a little bit. Let's put the Jarrett, let's give them the respect that maybe they deserve. And, and let's not just shove them to the back end of a long news week. And this week hasn't been really as heavy of the news week. But it is the one-year um, anniversary of the passing of Jerry Jarrett. It's like our timing couldn't get any better. Um, and so we'll spend some time at the back end of the show talking about the Jareds. But I do want to kind of catch up on our thoughts on AEW and WWE content maybe since since the last time we had an episode. And uh, I don't know if you have seen the WWE uh, stuff that came out of the um, press conference last week in Vegas and the lead up to that. It seems like the rumor and innuendo is night one of WrestleMania, we are getting Rock and Roman versus Seth and Cody, which I guess would lead to night two, us having Cody versus Roman for the title. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of just kind of shuffling Seth Rollins into the middle of nothing and not being able to defend his title, even though he is hurt and Punk is hurt and Cody was supposed to go somewhere. You could have Drew McIntyre maybe win the title or something. I'm not a big fan of maybe that direction. I don't know where it goes, um, but that's the current rumor. Um, But uh, Cody got slapped the fuck out of by Rock. I thought that was interesting. Uh, They're making Rock the, the heel. You would think that Someone of his stature would kind of want to be the baby face of the of the in the storyline. Um, WWE is crazy. WWE is a little crazy. Uh, your yeah, thought on, you, on on WWE leading up to where we are right now? You you ain't kidding. Uh, this is probably one of the most um, wacky WrestleMania seasons we've encountered uh, since maybe 2016 and. <laughs> That was an injury-riddled uh, uh, crowd, uh, um, so that's why I did. Listen, sir, I know you answer a wreck. Maybe, maybe your medicine uh, is, is convoluting <laughs> your thoughts. Maybe you got a concussion from the crash. But we're leaving that flag up, damn it, okay? Leaving the flag up, all right? Uh, best wishes to you, sir, uh, in the comment, Mr. Jason. Uh, hope all is well and you start feeling better. Um I don't care how bad you're feeling. You're not missing revolution. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Um, no, even if you're going to drag your ass up to Greensboro. Uh, we will drag your ass something. to Greensboro. And a body suit. Right. We'll borrow one from, Dar- from Darby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, just an absolutely wild ride uh, on the road to WrestleMania. I, I. This whole thing is just so confusing. I mean, you know, you get Cody winning the Rumble. All right, we're going to finish the story. And then the next Friday we get, well, I want you. I want everything. I'm going to face you. I'm going to beat you. Just not a WrestleMania. Here comes The Rock. Rock whispers something to Cody's ear. They hug. Cody leaves. Rock and Roman stare down at each other. Uh, we get to Monday Night Raw. Cody's in the ring. Uh, Seth's in the ring, whatever. We get to the press conference. A 45-minute buildup for... 
four people to come out. Uh, was Bianca even there? Charlotte even there? Bianca was there. Uh, Becky was there. But they really didn't do anything to, like, hype themselves up in any way, shape, or form. And they were just kind of – honestly, that whole press conference could have been a 15-minute thing, and they could have skipped everything other than the bloodline because that's the entire point of that press conference was to have the have this – transaction and and i guess the continuation of the story they just wanted to make it i guess feel better than or bigger than just a monday night raw segment or whatnot it really they could have done this on monday night raw and not waste everybody's time yeah yeah. um they made seth rollins look like a teetotal bitch um Mm -hmm. and we get the slap and rock comes out and he's dogging on roman and then they handshake and then rock basically turned from face to heel and cody comes out and it's like, what are we doing here? Well, why, why are we? Why is this whole spin around thing happening? Um, and then, you know, I, the elimination chamber is coming up. I, I mean, we're gonna get the elimination chamber match. Winner receives the title shot against Seth, I believe. Uh, so I think that'll, I believe that'll take place at WrestleMania. Um, don't know where Rock fits in and all this. Uh, just an absolutely just roundabout way and just kind of wacky storytelling leading on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, if this was AEW booking, it would be um, put in the fire pits and the internet would be going crazy and dogging on AEW. Uh, so I feel we need to do the same for WWE. Um, not, notwithstanding, uh, there was a segment last night on Dynamite that I just I didn't like and, and wasn't needed. Um, we'll get to that probably here in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. um yeah, just a, yeah. just a wild uh, storyline wise of of way WWE is doing, but uh, here we are. Here we are indeed, and at this point, with all the pivoting, because that's all it was. Is I think the intention was we're going to do Rock and Roman at forty, and then the reaction that they got wasn't what they anticipated. I don't think they really thought that. Fans would actually boo The Rock. And because they started booing The Rock, they they, they pivoted and said, let's, let's make money off of this. We'll have him help Roman at some way, shape, or form. And then either at SummerSlam or at Mania next year, we'll have Rock and Roman. At that point, Roman probably drops the belt. Uh, and it, it's almost as if they didn't plan on... CM Punk getting hurt. And so when that happened, they tried to quickly pivot to like Cody and, or or maybe they didn't intend on The Rock actually agreeing to fight Roman Reigns, which is why they had Cody win the Rumble instead of Punk. And then obviously Punk gets hurt, so it's a good thing he didn't win the Rumble, but it's like, and then The Rock decides at the last minute, yeah, I'll fight Roman, but Cody's already won the Rumble. So they tried to they tried to pivot once to bring The Rock into the story somehow and make Cody look like a, like a bitch and basically say, hey, it's my choice and I'm not going to, to fight you at WrestleMania because, hey, there's this other guy that you know and he's part of your family. And then a couple of days later, he has a change of heart. It honestly doesn't make 
a whole lot of sense from a booking standpoint. And you're right. If this was AEW booking, it would be like, hey, Tony Khan smoked a lot of crack when he wrote that. Blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Um, and I don't know. Then they saw the reaction. I don't think they anticipated the, the movement behind Cody being as big as it was. And so now they're going to try and make it seem like it was all part of their plans. When they know everybody knows it's a pivot, everybody knows that they didn't anticipate this reaction. And so we'll get Cody versus Roman at, at WrestleMania, probably night two. I think Cody has to win the belt or else, again, you've wasted in another entire year of Cody's Cody's tenure there. And he doesn't get a third opportunity. It would make no sense to have him fight for the title a third time. Um, and so it either has to be you put the belt on Cody at WrestleMania or you're never going to put the belt on Cody as long as Roman is champion. And so that's yeah. kind of where, where I would be at that. Yeah, let's transition into AEW because last night's Dynamite, we got a, there was a whole lot of progression into um, into Revolution. Um, we finally know that um, Deanna and Tony Storm will fight at Revolution. Their, their little segment there... Um, with the, I guess, Tony Storm's newest film where she kind of covers up or or edits the tattoo that her and Deanna got together. Um, And then Deanna just said, I'll keep it real simple for you. I'm going to break your arm, bitch. That was the greatest thing um, I think they could have done with that segment. Just quick and simple. Here's how it's going. I'm going to break your arm. Um, And, and, um, so we got that match there. We we have I guess it's been officially official. I don't think Orange Cassidy will defend the Intercontinental Belt or International Belt um, anytime anytime before Revolution. So I guess it's Roderick Strong versus Orange Cassidy um, for that belt at Revolution. Though Matt Taven went gave one hell of an effort in that in that death match last night. Um, there's a reason yeah. why that man main evented at Madison Square Garden as uh, ROH champion with that mm-hmm. NJPW ROH crossover. The guy is he's, a, a he's a really he's a really good wrestler. good wrestler, and I don't. Did you see the exclusive? AEW's been doing a really good job, at, like not promos that are not on the show, but are like exclusive social media promos. His his promo that he did after his match that they posted on X uh, immediately after was amazing he's he's really underrated i think and uh, hopefully this can kind of be the, a match that can break him out of that being an only tag team wrestling wrestler kind of guy um we also figured out it was also official that the aew evps matthew and nicholas jackson i'm going to use their correct names because I, I, I ain't got en- enough money for them to, to find me. And, uh, I find me, asshole. Oh, <laughs> find me. That they shit. fight Darby, Allen, and Sting. And Sting's final match, March 3rd. And the Greensboro Coliseum. And I think if I, if I can read your mind, this segment that you're not really a big fan of was Darby's promo. 
against the Young Bucks, which so the Young Bucks come out in their one week old blood stained suits. They have a match against Top Flight. They win the match and Darby comes out to um, save Tony Schiavone, of all people, from getting a EVP. Uh, what, is, what do they call it? EVP kick EVP or whatever. Trigger. I don't EB, EVP trigger. Um, and Darby comes out. No Sting, because Sting's still healing up from when he got brutally attacked last week. Him and his sons just trying to recover. We wish them the best in their recovery as, as he leads into this his final match. And Darby cuts a pretty scathing promo that was kind of all over the place. This is the one thing that maybe AEW could do a better job at is when they're going to cut a promo... I love that the re- the wrestlers can kind of improvise and kind of shoot shoot make a, a shoot promo if, if make it seem as realistic as possible. But there needs to be some sort of structure pre-approved because this promo was all over the place. Um, kind of didn't fe- seem like Darby kind of knew where he was going until he said what he said. Um, I'm assuming you were not a big fan of when he implicated that he was referring to Cody Rhodes. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, you're, you're fired up, coming out, saving Shivani. Um, thought that he could have definitely leaned more into the last week. Um, that much at all. Um, go to, you know, the, the all friendship wrestling, the California crew, Brandon Cutler being on the first episode of Dynamite, um, which maybe, maybe that makes sense in some perspective, but like just weird timing with that. Um, and Darby says at least there was one EVP that had enough brains to do the right thing. And then, and, you know, if he just left it there, well, yes, in, in the insinuation probably would have still been Cody, but it would have left the thought of maybe Kenny Omega. And I thought Hangman Page was an EVP, but I guess not. Um, but instead he says, no, I'm not talking about Kenny Omega, which then leads to us only knowing that there's one only other EVP that was part of the initial process with AEW, and it was uh, one Mr. Cody Runnels. Um you know, I was listening to Busted Open Radio this morning, and that was a big thing that they had a problem with. Uh, Dave LaGreca and Tommy Dreamer were the uh, were the hosts of that show this morning, and and I, I agree with them. I, I thought you didn't need to do that. You have such decent to really good momentum going into Revolution with a really good card, uh, Sting's last match, and then just weird placement from that promo. Um, LaGreca had mentioned, you know, you didn't even need to see, say that. Maybe you should have said, thank God for the owner that saw something in, in, in me and gave me the chance. And while, I, you know, it could have led to the crowd chanting for Tony Khan, it could have led the crowd to chant AEW, which we got that chant later tonight anyways. Um, I wonder if Darby mentioned some of the bullet points of this promo at all to Tony Khan, because I feel like 
Tony wouldn't have wanted to be in that spotlight like that. That's my guess. I don't think, you know, I think that if they would have said that, then the whole entire media would have been like, oh, see, Tony Khan told Darby to say that. Tony's just trying to get himself over. And and to me, I thought it would have had a little bit more bad backlash than the Cody thing. Um, But just an odd promo uh, to lead into that. Um, Simple should have, simple things should have been just like, hey, after last week, you doing what you did. My partner's not here this week. Uh, you guys wanted a match so badly. You want Sting's final match. You guys got it. We're going to kick your ass. Uh, you know, Sting's got nothing left to lose. I got nothing left to lose. We'll, we'll put the tag thumbs on the line, and we're going to kick your guys' ass. But still got a couple of weeks. Hopefully they can kind of rebound from that little uh, small problem. Um, but, yeah. So... Thought, uh, so I don't necessarily have a problem with the uh, I guess context, the content inside of his promo. It was a mess. It, again, it, it just kind of seemed like he was spitballing like, hey, hit these points, but you can kind of throw them wherever you want. The Young Bucks character, their gimmick at this point is they're the EVPs. And I think what they wanted to do was kind of hit at all of the internet trolls reactions to the young bucks he mentioned it was all friendship wrestling which is a big thing that you know even the host of the slap and meat wrestling podcast likes to talk about that it's it's not all elite wrestling it's all friends wrestling because all the young bucks do and all omega does is bring over their best friends from the indies and gives them a job so they they were trying to play into that. I'm not a big fan of 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 having to mention Cody. I think maybe if he he could have kept the promo the way it was, but maybe take the, just took that entire line out. Um, but at the same time, I can justify it because Cody was a big piece of AEW being what it what it is being a company as it is without Cody Rhodes I, uh, we we talked about it I think when we we talked about the Rhodes family without Cody Rhodes I don't think AEW the concept of AEW would, wouldn't be a thing um and AEW Sammy Guevara all of these wrestlers they mention all of the all of the stuff about Cody even to this point like uh, it's been um what two years since Cody's been gone and they still bring up the Guevara, Cody Rhodes, uh, TNT ladder match, um, TNT championship ladder match that they had. Um, and, and that wicked spot that they jumped there. Like that's still one of the best spots in AEW in my opinion. So you can't erase Cody from the history of AEW, but you don't have to intentionally entice or bring his name up. That's a WWE thing where they'll mention, um, like like they'll try to be stealthy with mentioning people that no longer work for the company or work at another wrestling promotion or or something like that. They they've done it several times before with like Dean Ambrose moving or and John Moxley now moving into. And not being part of the shield anymore or whatnot. They've done it in the past. Um and so it felt it felt like 
Tony Khan wanted to get that rub that Cody is getting because he's such a big character in WWE that he wanted to get the, the crowd to chant his name just because he's a big name in wrestling at this point. So maybe that part wasn't wasn't necessary, but the content of his promo overall, I had no problem with. It's you're playing into the young bucks. Um, they're supposed to be the heels, and they get you know the trolls like to pick on them all the time on social media, and, and so they're they're trying to a uh, uh, kind of align um, with what the internet says with of the young bucks and kind of play that out and. And storyline, one part of the Young Bucks um, storyline um, was when Shivani was in the ring and they mentioned that he breached his contract and he shouldn't get on the bad side of the EVPs, kind of hinting at CM Punk a little bit there. Um, so it was just a little bit of a, hey, everybody kind of gets the, um, the rumors or the innuendos that were shooting out here but let's just kind of keep it sly and and word of mouth there um but this revolution card is stacked we got one more other match that i i almost forgot about but just remembered that was announced will god osprey against don Callis family member kanosuke takeshka which I think might have a chance of being the best match on that show. It is going to be one hell of a match. I forgot Osprey um, was part of the Don Callis family. Makes sense why Kyle Fletcher's there. Yep. And so when Mark Davis gets healthy, you get Don Callis has uh, United Empire or Aussie Empire, whatever they call themselves. Um as a trio to go after Bullet Club Gold or Bang Bang Scissor Gang, whoever is going to be the AEW trios or ROH trios. They're both ROH and AEW trios championships in that in that category there. So once Mark Davis gets healthy, Don Callis family. I just wish they did a lot more for Takeshka because because they kind of just threw him into this match. He's he's kind of been on and off the show. For, for someone to be called the greatest wrestler in the world, I haven't really done much with them. But we're going to get this big match with Will Ospreay, hopefully to um, ignite both members into something great leading forward into like double or nothing and, and going forward. But holy crap, I did not expect that match to be made. What a great match that we're going to get at Revolution. Yeah, me either. That's going to be a phenomenal match. I can't wait for that. I'm glad that we get to see Will Ospreay's first officially contracted match as an AEW wrestler. Uh, He did obviously perform on AEW shows in the past, but was not under AEW contract. Uh, Now he will be, and uh, so that would be pretty cool to see that. Uh, Speaking of ignition, uh, there's like four cards in this duel that just ignited. Uh, One of them was Ryan Blaney, Uh, so that's a backup card he has to go to uh, Sunday. and like five other cars. So sorry about that. Um, you can thank Kyle Bush for that. <clears throat> so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like we're, we're, we're getting 
a few other storylines that are going to be developing and, and doing something at Revolution, uh, whether if it's uh, Chris and Julia for the TBS title or Willow and Julia uh, or Julia and Sky versus Willow and Chris. Um, uh, maybe we get a couple more women's matches um, on the show. I think that uh, that'll be cool. I mean, still interested to see if they're going to do the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, ladder match. I don't think I don't think they'll do that uh, with as loaded as the card's going to be, and um, I still think we're going to get Christian and and Cope one for the TNT title part three at Revolution, uh, especially with the concerto that Christian gave Adam. Last um, night, pretty nasty shot. Uh, got really hot at Christian for doing that. Um, so I'd be I'd be very interested to see that. I I would I would I would like it if maybe on the pre-show, we get a Daniel Garcia versus Nick Wayne match. I think that'd be a really good really good match. Um, or maybe uh, Kill Switch and Nick Wayne versus Daniel Garcia, maybe Daddy Magic or um, something like that. Um, Card is loaded, and there's still some matches that I think are going to take place that we're we're just waiting for the official announcements for. Uh, triple threat match, obviously. The world title is going to be phenomenal. Uh, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, an amazing night. It's going to be a long night, but a, a really, really good night uh, in Greensboro, Greensboro in a few weeks. Absolutely. Typically, typically in AEW show, we're going to get maybe 10 main card matches and like one or two uh, zero-hour matches. So I, I still anticipate like six or seven more matches being being uh, laid out. I think we have six that have been officially confirmed. I could see us ending up with about 11 or 12, maybe 13, including all the pre-show zero-hour matches that we have. I was getting to this point. We got a comment here from DJ Wavy D. I was going to get to this um, kind of transitioning from Revolution to to something I said last week because I read I read a report and it made me really happy uh, like a day or two after our show last week. Wavy D, let me put this kind Speaking of debuts, you need to make a wager with your brother. You guys are guaranteeing two different destinations. For Okada, we already know that Kuzeshka Okada is basically 99.9% confirmed that he is signing with AEW. Like I said, he was he he's not coming to to WWE. I don't have to put money up because I already know this. Fightful Sean Ross Sapp has already confirmed it. Kuzushko Okada has it's basically confirmed that he's going to AEW. And although we will, it would be it would be kind of funny is if you guys did a very harmless wager that if Okada shows up in AEW. That your brother would must wear a, an AEW shirt, not like a wrestler shirt, like an all elite wrestling shirt. Um, and if he showed up in WWE, that you would wear a WWE logo shirt. Um, like I said, a harmless wager, but I'll leave that up to y'all if that's still something you want to do or can. Ah, uh, we don't we don't need to make a wager because I already know what's happening, and it's just insider trading at this point. But still, the, if it I, you know I, you don't know until you know. Until he shows up, there's always a chance. Playing devil's advocate. 
Just trying to spice things up a little I, bit, Jamie. I think there, I, I think there's a greater chance that Joe Biden remembers where he's at than Kazuchika Okada showing up at WWE. Like, let's just be honest. What a great way to transition uh, in, into the hopefully the uh, the main event here, where uh, uh, Mr. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett likes to say on his podcast, "and Don't mix wrestling with politics." And uh, don't mix wrestling with politics. Yeah. And uh, here we are talking politics on a wrestling podcast. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's let's get to where we're going. Uh, real quick, we're going to hit the main event. We're going to reintroduce the segment. And talk about the Jeff Jeff and Jerry Jarrett family and the wrestling that's in their blood. Got so much weight on my shoulders. Alright, so we got Jeff and Jerry Jarrett. And uh, just doing Initial research, they were basically the only two key figures in the family, but they were really integral in building wrestling, um, promotions. Jerry Jarrett, um, tell me if I'm wrong on this because I'm not the historian. He was, was he, did he help um, part of Turner, or was that was he not part of Turner's team? Jeff and Jerry, Jerry, just mainly Jerry. Um, he, he eventually sold, so they ran Mid South uh, for okay. for a while, USWA, and then uh, when the Von Erics were in real big uh, peril, and this is actually kind of. Funny, it mentions into the uh, it mentions briefly in the Iron Claw movie that is now available on Amazon Prime. Uh, fun fact: um, that it, uh, once the Von Erichs were, were just in really desperate times to to do anything with WCCW, that Jerry Jarrett bought it out and then he ran it for a couple of years and then sold uh, WCCW to Jim Crockett Promotions that later became WCW. So, um, and Jerry kind of worked for WCW a little bit, but. Uh, but yeah, that's how that ended up. That, um, but I will stop you on a little thing though. Uh, well, yes, Jeff and Jerry um, are the main focal point of his family, and, and did quite a lot in wrestling. Um, forgetting about a very important um, um, the original. Jarrett member that kind of was involved in the wrestling community and the wrestling industry was Christine Jarrett. Um, Christine Jarrett was Jerry's mother, Jeff's grandmother, who uh, um, was known as Teeny. She sold tickets to wrestling events at the Hippodrome in Nashville and in Tennessee um, for, for regional wrestling promoters, Nagulas and Roy Welch. Um, she was selling programs, um, and, and Jerry did that as well, promoting smaller Nashville area wrestling shows, um, you know, from, from, uh, renting or venues, building the ring stuff like that. Uh, so Christine Jarrett was, a, a, a 
kind of the person that led Jerry into the wrestling industry that obviously led to Jeff being in the industry. So um, just a fun fact before Jerry really um, became the, the patriarch of the Jerry family, that there was a matriarch and it was Miss Christine Jarrett. Uh, good thing that you caught me there because I did not know that. So that's good. That's some good info there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Jerry Jarrett, he wrestled for a time. I don't. I don't think he really did. I don't think he was as big of a wrestler as maybe Jeff was in terms of the family. But his his promotional work. Um, he he like you said he built. Um, he founded the Continental Wrestling Association in 1977, um, and I guess he he uh, he was work he worked in the promotion as well. Uh, he lost the belts, the CWA Tag Team Championships to Austin Idol and Dutch Mantel, which went by he was Jack Swagger's uh, uh, manager at one point. I I can't remember what he went by at. And that gimmick, um, Dutch Mantel is a yeah. pretty big member of the wrestling community and a big friend of Jeff Jarrett. He he talks about him all the time on his podcast. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> and so, like I said, he he found Continental Wrestling Association (CWA), and then he, I guess, at that part bought, like you said, WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling. And created the United States Wrestling Association. I believe that he just basically merged multiple different promotions together. Um, was it Mid South, WCCW, and I think AWA um, all merged together in the 80s, early 90s? Um, and then I think the biggest or his last biggest move was the creation of TNA, which he later, I guess, let Jeff run for a while. Um, but Jerry, Jerry was a, I don't, I, I don't think he would be the type of person um, that would be like in your face gloating about his accomplishments. He was just kind of behind the scenes. Um the Jarrett family kind of that way as well. Jeff is very, very big on admitting when he makes a lot of mistakes in his his business venture. Um, you can tell that from his podcast that, like, from hindsight, he sees what he did wrong, especially with TNA. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's Jerry. And then, like I said uh, at the top of the show, he. Uh, Unfortunately, passed away a year ago yesterday. Um, and, and I remember when that hit, like, that was when Jay Lethal and, and Jeff Jarrett were on that pretty big run in, in AEW. And they just kind of let him take as much time as he needed off, even if it fucked up storyline. I just, that's kind of what I remember from, from that time frame. I think Jeff Jared maybe has more accolades behind his name in terms of in the ring as well as in his promotion um, with TNA and Global, was it Global Force, GFW, or something like that? I can't remember. Yeah, Global Force Wrestling. Global Force, and he's now working with AEW 
as a wrestler as well as on in some sort of backstage development uh, training, I believe. I can't remember exactly his title outside of the ring with AEW, but he he seems to know a whole lot about wrestling. And and he did he ever wrestle in WWE? I can't quite remember. Maybe Jeff? Jeff. Yeah, briefly. he did. Yep. He uh, wrestled for them in the early 90s and then um, went to WCW in 96. Uh, came back to the WWF in 97, 98, and then left for WCW again in October of 99. And then they stayed there, uh, obviously, until the company in on. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, he was, you know, the good old J E double F J A double R E double T had the roadie, Mr. Road Dog, um, with him as well. And had the, uh, the big old top hat with the double J symbol on it. And, and, uh, um, they had that with my baby tonight song, uh, that was, uh, critically acclaimed for sure. Um, (laughs) Speaking yeah. of speaking of his run in, in WCW, I feel like the most infamous Jeff Jarrett moment was when he had to lay down on the ground and let Hulk Hogan pin him. What was that? Nine. Um, what pay per view was that? Nineteen ninety nine. Bash of the Beach two thousand. Bash of the Beach two thousand. Yeah. Um, that was. I think that's probably yeah. going to be the most infamous moment of his entire career, like the thing that he's known for the most, <laughs> he was pissed going behind the finishing the match and then leaving. You could tell he was just kind of pissed off. Um, maybe, maybe hey, listen, that was his, that was his slogan in WWF before he left was don't piss me off. And they pissed him off. And, <laughs> and they, the they surely, they surely did piss him <laughs> off. Was he, yeah. He went by Blue Blazer also, right? Or was that Owen? Yeah, that was just Owen. That was just Owen. Okay. They had um, there was a point where like Owen said he wasn't the Blue Blazer and um there was one time where it was somebody else. I don't believe it was Ask I thought it was somebody else. Um but yeah, that was that was Owen's character. Gotcha, gotcha. You mentioned because last week we we mentioned the passing of of Toby Keith and Jeff Jarrett was a great friend of of Toby Keith. If you want to listen to his recap of his friendship of, with Toby, you got to listen to his podcast this week because he about made me tear up a little bit when he was talking about it. It's a two and a half hour long podcast. Um, they. But it's worth it. They spend about the first hour not talking about wrestling at all. <laughs> That's usually the theme for their podcast. Uh, yeah, that uh, my world with Jeff Jarrett. For those that don't know, but uh, yeah, usually they they don't talk about their topic for for a while until they get deep into <laughs> it. But that's what I really enjoy about it. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts from wrestlers that I really enjoy. Is just uh, Jeff's honest, candid uh, comments. You know, talking about the creation of TNA, the business side of TNA, uh, his WWF run, WCW run, uh, Mid South and USWA run, um, his struggles with his addiction to W days, the Rinka King stuff with India. Um, yeah, Jeff does a just tells it all pretty much and, and shows his emotion, isn't afraid to do that. 
uh, isn't afraid to speak the truth. He'll take the hit on the chin for the things that he did and, and even take most of the criticism for, for some of the decision-making with uh, both creative-wise and TNA, business-wise and TNA, things like that. Um, like I said, just, just a really honest, candid look at, at the all sorts of the facet of, of, of the wrestling industry. Um, one of my one of my favorite podcasts out there, and definitely one of my top wrestling podcasts for sure, is uh, is My World with Jeff Jarrett. But uh, yeah, de- definitely uh, gave a really good heartfelt tribute to uh, to his friend Toby Keith uh, on this past week's episode for sure. Especially in his TNA days, Jeff Jarrett worked with a bunch of different people, for a lack of a better term. Worked with like Russo and Dixie and several others backstage. Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff at some point joined in. Um, which which person do you think he maybe had the most difficult time working with? I, I would say probably Dixie Carter, but man, it might be Vince. Yeah. See, I don't even think I think Vince was actually one of his favorite guys because, um, you know, Vince did good things with him in the WWF, and then whenever uh, Jeff came over to WCW, Vince was obviously the lead writer, and then you know, booked Jared as the top heel in the company and won the world title a few times. Um, it's funny you mentioned about the the Bash of the Beach thing being Jeff's most infamous moment. Um, had it been not for Bash of the Beach 2000, uh, probably his most infamous moment would have been uh, smashing Beetlejuice over the head with a guitar. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but, you know, and that's WCW 2000 for you in a nutshell. Um, that happened within two months of each other, I think. Um, but, yeah, I would I would probably say probably Dixie Carter. Mostly in the mid 2000s to, to early 2010s, when Dixie was trying to underhand Jeff and take control of the company and show that Jeff was incompetent to run the company, and um, she was forcing her way in to force Jeff out, and it was just not not good times. Not good times in those days for sure. Um, Jeff has. Jeff really gave the road dog, you know, BG James, um, road dog, Jesse James, whatever you want to call him, really his first shot at being a producer and a backstage and, and an agent for matches and, and explored his talent that he could do that. And obviously road dog is one of the prominent figures in WWE right now from a backstage behind the scenes role. Um, but I mean, gosh, he worked with Dutch Mantel, Bischoff, Hogan, at one point, he had Jim Cornette and Vince Russo working together in TNA. Uh, as you can imagine, that did not last very long. Um, yeah. Shut up, uh-huh. Vince. I'm going to beat you with a pole. Yeah, listen. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's saying something right there. When you can get, you know, you're a good guy in wrestling when you can get Vince Russo and Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette. to just work for even a week. Just sit in the same I think room they did together. It for a few months. Correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I think that was at you know that was the, the the nail in the coffin for for Jim Cornette to uh, solidify his hatred of Vince Russo and uh, publicly acknowledging that he is uh, going to outlive Vince Russo and piss so on his grave. Piss um, on his grave. 
we'll, we'll, that is yet to be determined. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff's, Jeff's one of the really, really good guys in wrestling amidst his, you know, everybody has their demons, and Jeff certainly had his with his addiction with alcohol and, and pain pills and um, things like that. But I tell you what, uh, Jeff has not uh, uh, wavered his faith. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, that's a touchy subject to talk about on wrestling, politics, and religion and things like that. But uh, Jeff has never wavered from his faith. Um believes in God and, 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 and that, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, and, uh, has kept him afloat all these years, but man, he has dealt with some really, really tragic stuff in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, really tragic stuff. Um, I go with the, the Von Erics when he was in, a, in WCCW, wouldn't have seen that whole thing. Um, to obviously being Owen's tag team partner and best friend, and had to was there unfortunately at, when Owen passed away, and was the very next match after Owen passed away. Um, to um, witnessing his wife go through cancer, I believe in the late nineties, early two thousands, to beat it. And then get re-sick and ultimately passing away in 2007. Um, the whole angle, Karen angle thing that led to Karen marrying Jeff. Um, uh, yeah, there, there you go. Perfect timing <laughs> on that. Perfect timing. Um, to being forced out of TNA, trying to buy it back. Oddly enough, trying to buy it back with Toby Keith. And uh, that didn't go anywhere. Um it was funny, Dixie Carter. Go ahead. I was going to say it sounds pretty reminiscent of what they just did to Scott Demore. It, pretty much, and, and but it was. It, this just shows how naive Dixie Carter was. Was that Jeff and Toby Keith were going to buy TNA, and then Dixie was like, "Hey, Toby, we'll let you buy TNA, but we we'll be business partners." And Toby's like, "Screw that, dude! Like, right. Jeff Jarrett's my bud. Like, if he's not in the deal, I'm not doing it." Um. Quick side note, and we'll kind of get back onto the unfortunate tragedy side of, of the Jeff Jarrett side of things. Um, so Toby Keith performed at TNA's first ever pay-per-view, June 19th of 2002. On uh, Jarrett's podcast this past week, apparently Toby Keith had an invitation to go to the White House and sing the song, sing that the, uh, the Angry American song, um, to which Toby turned it down because he had the prior commitment to being on Jeff's first TNA pay-per-view. That's pretty cool that Toby Keith turned down an invitation to the White House. That's uh, Patreon. Fuck you, George Bush. I'm going to see my man. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go see my wrestling buddy. Uh, and then Jeff Jarrett pushed him out of the get, way. And then Jeff Jarrett yeah. gets... Uh, Jeff Jarrett gets suplexed from, suplexed from from Toby Keith. So that was pretty cool. Um yeah, and then Jeff goes through his really his really bad uh, demons with with alcohol and addiction and stuff like that. Overcame that, and then uh, it became a Hall of Famer in WWE and, and was a backstage behind the scenes guy. And then you know, unfortunately, we get to um, over the last couple of years, him losing some really really good personal friends. Don West, obviously, his father Jerry Jarrett passed away last year, and now Toby Keith. Um, a lot of <clears throat> tragedy in Jeff's life, but still finds a way to overcome it and 
And uh, as Conrad Thompson would say, uh, if cats have nine lives, the Jareds have ten. Pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's wild how that works. Well, if you want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle, tune in to AEW Rampage tomorrow night. Tony Khan, I'm giving you free promo right here. Tune in to AEW Rampage tomorrow night. Special start time, 7 p.m. Thanks to the goddamn NBA All-Star Week. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get collision this week because of that. No collision because of the damn All-Star Week. But we get the bang bang scissor damn gang. basketball. We get the bang bang scissor gang versus Dark Order, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal in a twelve man tag team match. Whew. Lots of people getting time. I think we also get Jeff Hardy getting knocked unconscious on that show. Uh, so if you want to see the, all that happen, tune in to AEW Rampage tomorrow at seven PM. On TNT. Um, and I wonder if that uh, concussion that Jeff got during the tapings uh, furthers his brokenness. Broken gimmick. Yeah, well. Bring it back. <clears throat> maybe, maybe so, maybe so. Um, as we do with all these, all these segments, I don't, I don't know necessarily if the legacy of the Jared family, obviously – Get Karen Jared. Maybe we can mention that she's part of the family, but Kurt Angle might beat my ass if I say that. Um. <laughs> Kurt married. He's got his own life. He's good. Yeah, Kurt's, Kurt's done. He said, you can have her. Um, and anyway. I do the fact that Kurt Angle's, I guess, technically Jeff Jarrett's stepson is also has the same name as I do, spelled the exact same way. So I take credit for that. That's pretty cool. Cody Angle? Cody Jarrett? Mm-hmm. Cody Angle Jarrett? I don't know. I'm not sure how that works. Cody Jarrett Angle. Um, uh, he's he's a co- he's he's a Jarrett and an Angle. Is he? Does he wrestle? No. No. Not that I know. Not that but. you know. Okay. Well, what's the legacy of the Jarretts? Because I I think they play a pretty big piece. Maybe not so much in the WWE, but. You could say maybe the hardcore indie fans maybe would have a more developed appreciation for the Jareds. Uh, TNA, they were doing pretty decent numbers for quite a while until Dixie Carter shows up and tries to overtake them um, on Spike TV. So. And they were doing pretty decent numbers, um, and and that's uh, Conrad and Jeff talk a whole bunch about uh, that this past week on their show. Um, they were doing like 1.4, 1.9 at some point in 2009. Um, now they can barely get what 20,000 people to watch on Access TV. It's just uh, Jeff Jarrett played a pretty big part in getting that company successful um uh, pretty soon they might not have talent in, in tna wrestling because they all about to leave <clears throat> they all pretty mad about the whole thing with demore uh-huh. um which conrad thompson had a very interesting prediction that within the next 12 months that we would definitely see scott and wrestling uh things that anthem probably 
probably come back to the table and say, hey, let's negotiate. Uh, we're you know, bleeding. Everyone to buy this thing out. Let's make it happen. Uh, which I didn't know that Scott DeMore had family businesses and is well off. Uh, oh, I didn't know that either. From, yeah, from, from what Conrad Thompson said, that uh, it was more of a of a hobby that DeMore was in wrestling, even though he was very passionate and loves it. Uh, mm. he, you know, it wasn't his, hey, that's my, that's my, yeah. So he's not Tony Which, Khan. Interesting. No, um, he, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what businesses he runs, but evidently he is well off. So kudos well, to, to more for that. Um, for to answer your question on the legacy part, that is such a, it's a good question. And one that I, it's, it's taken me a minute to answer it. I think the legacy for the Jarrett's is innovators mm-hmm. and willing to take chances. Um, obviously, Jerry with his own companies and buying out companies and trying to make things work and being alternatives in the territory days to Jeff hopping jobs from WWE to WCW, apparently holding up Vince McMahon for money, which he did. Uh, he walked out on Vince twice, uh, which was pretty crazy um the second time he did it he forced vince mcmahon to pay him the rest of his money that he was owed for the live event shows and the tv shows and the pay-per-view bonuses um on the same night that he uh, basically left the company uh and they took it out of the gundarina funds it wasn't out of vince mcmahon's own money it was out of the gundarina in cleveland ohio so uh Jeff Jarrett got three W2s from, uh, or W9s, whatever they're called, um, in the year 1999. WWF, WCW, and the Gund Arena, because he got paid. Uh, pretty crazy how that works. Um, and then they started TNA. The market was dying for an alternative to WWE. They had bought out WCW in 01, and it was just... WWE and then ROH started, I think, a little bit before TNA did, but TNA just had more profound success than ROH did as far as a, a television audience goes. Built that thing from the ground up. They created stars like AJ Styles and Daniels and Samoa Joe. Um, you know, they brought in the veterans, and that's why I said whenever we had the the the, the conversation a few months ago about is AEW the WWE or WCW 2.0. And I said it was like a 2.5 because TNA first was a WCW 2.0 with all the veterans they brought in from ex-WWE talent and and uh, trying to be the alternative to WWE and things like that. And Jeff did a really, really good job at, at, at building that brand up. And then Fallout happened. They tried to come back and the Fallout happened again. And... Uh, Found a way back to WWE, made it to the Hall of Fame, and is now in AEW. I mean, literally, the the guy just doesn't stop working, doesn't stop grinding away, and um, I think he's obviously a coach, a, a talent um, evaluator, and agent. But I think he, he also runs their international live events, mm-hmm. international events, international marketing type stuff. So, yeah, I, I would say innovators and not afraid to take chances. Um, they showed that. I mean. If you're a delusional optimist, like Jeff will always say, he uh, 
you could be on the Titanic sink and then Jeff Jarrett would, would still be like, Hey, listen, this is okay. We're going to make this out. Uh, let's, let's find out a good way to get off this ship and we'll be fine. Um, yeah. He, uh, so you say innovators, uh, the first of this popped into my head was Jeff Jarrett, the mastermind behind the King of the Mountain tournament or championship. Golly, uh, they just had a podcast on this a few weeks ago. I want to say he was, or it was a collaborative effort to do that match, and then he just coined the phrase that if he was going to win the, the match, that he would just be called the King of the Mountain because of that. And, and, and then obviously, like TNA had um, their X division, which is, I guess, what basically the cruiserweight division. Um, some it's not about weight limits, it's about no limits. No limits. Explain and that one also, somebody. And, and and Ultimate X, the Ultimate X matches were like the greatest things I've ever seen in TNA history. Um, yep. The Bound for Glory we went to at Caveras Arena, they had an Ultimate X match, and uh, I thought everybody was going to die. Um, <laughs> it's so much different watching in person than on TV, and, and most matches and events are, but it's like you, you watch it on TV and you're like, man, I think it just looks insane. It presents crazy moments. Watching it live, it's like you almost are fearful that something really bad's going to happen. And if, if I was wrong, was you. Kurt Angle in that Ultimate X match, or was he in another match? I can't remember. I, remember I believe Kurt Angle he was got, in another match. Oh, well, I just remember at that show, Kurt Angle got dropped on his neck like three times, and I thought he was going to die in the middle of the ring. I think he fought Eric Young. Eric Young. That, that sounds correct, about right. I think. Yeah. That would be interesting to see Kurt Angle in Ultimate X match, though. <laughs> Not now. I don't think Kurt Angle no. would, could do that. I don't um, think so. Don't forget Elevation X. I don't know if you remember what that was or not, but uh, mm-hmm. and then we decided he, we wanted to be a little more dangerous. Was he the one that decided for TNA to go to the six-sided ring, or was that Dixie's ring? That was Jeff's. That was Jeff's idea. He stole that from, and, and he admits that, that he basically took that idea from uh, AAA um, in Mexico when he saw the ring like that. He's like, boy, that would be just a phenomenal thing to do. And that's one one way to be different from WWE. Hey, we have a six-sided ring. Um, and that obviously was a big factor for them in getting a toy line deal done. Um, hey, who do you guys have? You know, it's not so much of who the superstars were to make action figures. It was the fact they had a six-sided ring, and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely put you on the shelf for that. People are going to be like, what's that? I want to play with it. I had a six-sided ring I played with. Yeah, I think I think the Jareds go down, like you say, as innovators. Um, and they, they may not be, like, when you think of, like, greatest wrestling families, they probably won't be the first family that you think of, but, but they play a pretty important piece. In the in the history of of uh, pro wrestling and and, and advancing to where it is, um, and uh, yeah, any 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 last words about the the Jared family before we move on? Um, not not really. Um, I would just really recommend those that like to mm-hmm. listen to podcasts or even watch them. They do all their podcast on YouTube as well. Look up World with Jeff Jarrett and 
you can start from the beginning or just look up some of the different episodes and just and just listen or watch them. Um, I just think that it'll give you a really newfound perspective and respect on pro wrestling, the Jeff Jarrett side of things, um, and just a lot to learn, but a lot to appreciate. And yeah, I can't recommend uh, that podcast enough. The one thing I like about Jeff Jarrett's podcast over, like, let's just say like 83 weeks, Eric Bischoff gives a lot of good perspective on WCW, but I feel like a lot of times when Conrad scolds him on Eric Bischoff's past mistakes, he'll like yell back and scream back at Conrad. He's super defensive about the decisions that he made. With Jeff Jarrett, he kind of is like, yeah, we fucked up. Uh, we shouldn't have done this. Like he can kind of see it more clearly that uh, maybe maybe we did did this wrong or did that wrong. Um, I appreciate that from from Jeff Jarrett. Um, and yeah, I too would recommend his podcast. You can get it on Apple and uh, Google. Apparently, though, Google, the Google Podcast app is going away at, at the end of the year, so you won't find it much much further than that. So Spotify and Apple probably be be your best chance. Which is where you can also, and YouTube, which is where you can also find our podcast in audio form, the Beyond the Junkyard podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, as well as you can replay this live stream on YouTube. Like, share, comment, go to the Junkyard Media Group website, junkyardmediagroup.com, and just play around. Look, we promised y'all that we would get that blog up to date, get you that content. Life's been a little busy. I ain't gonna be honest. It's it's, it's been a little busy, and uh, we'll 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 get some content as as we especially as we lead into uh, revolution. We'll, we'll probably put some stuff up regarding Sting's last match. You'll you'll have to do like a, a yeah, well, farewell gonna... to your a farewell That's... to your favorite wrestler. <laughs> I literally had to steal the, the 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 words out of my mouth. I was going to say, I'm sure we'll both um, put some sort of revolution, either prediction thing on there or a preview blog post. But um, that was something I was going to announce was um, it's either going to be the Friday or the Saturday uh, right before revolution. So either March 2nd or March 1st, uh, there will be a blog up on the website at junkyardmediagroup.com. And it's just going to be a really big, blog on uh the history of sting the the historical aspect of sting's career um why i'm a fan how i became a fan and how um march 3rd is going to be a really important date in 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 my life as a fan as as silly as it is to be a pro wrestling fan and to be following something that's scripted um sting being my favorite wrestler of all time is not just from a wrestling perspective it's um I won't say on a personal note, I've not met the man in person. I've not talked to the man in person, but uh, learning about his his personal life and the things he's gone through and and uh, some of the beliefs he has, I believe as well, and and that kind of matches up too. So um, my fandom with Sting kind of goes further than just a uh, a um, uh, just fan of, of his wrestling work. So um, maybe I'll do that before. We do the podcast on Thursday before Revolution. Maybe I'll do it right after. Um, probably should do it before so you can read it and then you can watch the uh, the thing or vice versa. We'll see. But uh, um, 
yeah, we'll definitely have to hit on that sometime in the near future of uh, Sting's career. And man, but that'll definitely be on uh, on the website, a blog, uh, kind of writing about my my uh, fandom of Sting um, in the coming weeks before we get to his final match at Revolution, and just a few short weeks away. I think the countdown is four more shows before his final. Crazy. Final match. It's getting crazy. I hope my Sting shirt that I ordered gets here in time. <laughs> I think it will. I think it will as long as Pro Wrestling Tees uh, shipping doesn't take 15 hours, a million days like it typically does. I got the shipping notice this morning, so hopefully it gets here in like a week or so. Um, hey, listen, if, if, that, if it doesn't, you could just buy a new Sting shirt at Revolution if you get the Sting VIP pack. Yeah, I'll probably just wait for the shirt to get here. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I would love to get that. That's a lot of money for that. They'll uh, they'll have all ninety nine million designs that they have created for Sting. Uh, they better. Available. I'll tell you that much. They better. We get like four uh, shirts of that, Joe. And as Tony Khan is letting Sting write off his farewell, we must bid you all farewell for this week. See that transition right there? That that's good transition skills right there. I I appreciate everyone who has tuned in for the live stream and, and maybe we'll watch the or listen to the audio version when it gets uploaded here shortly. Appreciate y'all. Like, comment, share, tell us what we're doing wrong, right, anything in between. We'd love to have you on the show if you would uh want to join us on the show. Just Reach out to us on our social media pages. Uh, send us a message there, and we'll get in contact with you. We love talking wrestling. Wrestling is a, the greatest thing in the world. Um, and uh, we will bid y'all adieu. If you don't have anything else, we can end this show. That's all I got. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place, same channel. Bye.